You're listening to the P is for Profit podcast with Adam Lean, where it's not about how much you make, it's about how much you keep and how much freedom you enjoy. Welcome to P is for Profit, a podcast that breaks down business concepts into simple and clear language. This season is dedicated to interviewing e-commerce experts that can help you improve your e-commerce business. I recently had the pleasure of interviewing the founder of an online brokerage business. They help online business owners sell their business, ideally for top dollar. So why does this matter? Well, the goal of many business owners is to sell their business one day. That's a dream of many business owners, but sadly, not that many actually do sell their business. Why is that? Well, one of the largest culprits is that the business simply is not valuable in the eyes of a potential buyer. The big question is then, how can you get your business valuable enough so that other people are interested in it and it sells for top dollar? The answer lies in the reason why people buy businesses in the first place. They buy a business because of the cash stream that this business can give them. A business that generates $500,000 in yearly cash is much more valuable and thus will sell at a higher sales price than a business that generates $50,000 in yearly cash. So what should you do? Well, regardless if you want to sell your business now or in five years, you've got to do one thing. You've got to start improving the amount of true free cash flow that your business generates. So let's jump into the interview with Mark and say and see how he helps businesses sell their businesses. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so Mark, you help business owners sell their business, specifically online businesses. Your website's quietlightbrokerage.com, and we'll put that in the show notes. So you, I mean, you help people sell their, their businesses. So how did you get started with this? Yeah, no, uh, great, great question. Um, I started the business in 2007, so we're going on 12 years ago uh, now since we started up Quiet Light. And really, it came from doing it myself, you know, going through the process of selling an e-commerce business that I owned uh, and going through that process and realizing that there, the, the advisors in this space didn't really have a lot of experience with online businesses. Uh, and in order to really evaluate an online business, it kind of helps to know it. <laughs> you know, it helps to know what metrics are important from a buyer and a seller. You know, having been on both sides of the negotiation table, both as a buyer and a seller, uh, I was able to bring that experience to the transaction uh, and and really help out uh, on the sell side and on the buy side eventually help people evaluate these deals more carefully. Now, things have changed quite a bit since 12 years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the types of deals that we're working on are significantly different. Um, but we still are able to bring in, in one of our... our uh, uh, key advantages that we try to bring for our clients is the fact that uh, all of our advisors have that same background. We've all been on both sides of the table. We've been in that startup shoes. You know, we've all started up our own online businesses. We've all sold. We've all bought as well. And so that firsthand experience really helps in understanding the dynamics of the transaction, what to expect, and also anticipate potential problems, which is really where I think uh, a company like ours hopefully helps for that business owner who wants to have an exit. So why why Quiet Light? How did you come up with that name? Uh, it's got a few different uh, significant, uh, a few different meanings to it. Uh, you know, the, the idea is pretty clear for 
what we want our role to be in the transaction. You know, I remember when I sold my business uh, now 14 years ago uh, and thinking, man, this guy came in and he took 10% of what I sold. <laughs> you know, what, what a great gig he's got. Uh, but I didn't feel like he was all that, uh, that, that useful during the, the, the process. I felt like I was doing a lot of work throughout the process. I wanted mm-hmm. Quiet Light to, to be an advisor who's there uh, advising, but not trying to direct or tell uh, our clients exactly what to do. Right. Our, our role is there to, again, shine light on the transaction and advise our sellers, advise the buyers to the extent that it makes sense to do so on how they should be going about or what they might be looking for. And then putting the decision in their hands, right? Allowing people to uh, be grownups, make their own decisions, but make good, informed decisions. So that's really where the name comes from. We want to be there as an advisor, but we're not there to control or dictate what people do. Uh, and really have that respect for the fact that, look, somebody else built this business. Somebody else put the work in that sweat equity and they risked their money. It's their choice at the end of the day what they want to do with the business and not our place to tell them, just simply be there to advise them. Yeah, that makes sense. So you've worked, you know, I mean, you you said yourself that you were on both sides of the, you were a buyer and also a seller, and it's important for, you know, the your advisors to have experienced what their clients are going through. What are the biggest surprises that you found that when you're working with a seller that they just didn't realize through the selling process and also with the buyers? Uh, what, what are the biggest surprises that buyers, when they come to you, want to buy a business, you know, they, they, they seems to sort of shock them or, or they just didn't realize. Uh, that's that, that's a good question. I think uh, depends on what type of buyer and what type of seller you're working with. Uh, on the buy side, uh, I think the valuation process can be a little bit mysterious for buyers trying to understand how businesses are valued, uh, why we use uh, this uh, metric called seller's discretionary earnings as the foundation. Uh, you know, you aren't going to find seller's discretionary earnings in any report that you can pull up in QuickBooks or Zero or whatever accounting software you use. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it seems a little mysterious and kind of maybe uh, like we're playing around with numbers. So on the buy side, I'd, I'd say the valuation approach. Uh, on the sell side, I think the biggest surprise for sellers is just how important your financials are. I think this is disappointing to some sellers because they think the focus on the financials is undervaluing maybe other aspects of the business, such as unique relationships that they've built up or uh, or proprietary software or any other number of things that we, we work in our businesses to, to make them better, it often feels like those things aren't valued, but they are. They're, they're valued pretty heavily. Uh, but I think uh, for the sellers, seeing just how heavily their financials make an impact on the total value of their business sometimes uh, is a bit of a shock, maybe a little bit of a disappointment. But after time, most people start to understand exactly why uh, those become so important. Oh, man, I couldn't agree with you more. So explain what the seller's discretionary earnings are? Yeah, so seller's discretionary earnings is a number that we present to potential buyers, to potential acquirers. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide a baseline number for a large set of potential buyers, which will allow a buyer to uh, insert their own assumptions into the acquisition. And that that might sound really confusing at first, but here's a, a simple explanation. Uh, buyer A might have different expenses 
uh, in an acquisition than buyer B, right? So buyer A, let's say this is an e-commerce business, they might have a warehouse and a staff for fulfillment ready. And so that's going to be uh, something that they don't have to pay for. Whereas buyer B might have to hire a bunch of people to run the business. And so they're going to have their own set of expenses. Seller's discretionary earnings is a number that we uh, calculate. There are rules to calculate seller's discretionary earnings to, to show the amount of earnings that a business has that a seller or a business owner has to spend at their discretion. So in practice, what does this look like? Pretty simple. We remove uh, accounting expenses, quote unquote accounting expenses, such as amortization, depreciation, and we get to EBITDA. That's the baseline number that we're going to get to. Uh, and then we remove one owner's benefits, right? So the salary that you pay yourself, if you have a home office and you're expensing that, we would remove those or add those back is the terminology that we use. And then we add back true one-time expenses, such as filing for a patent or a trademark uh, and things of that nature. Um, there are set rules for determining what expenses we can add back to the bottom line. Um, but there is some interpretation that happens as well. And actually, uh, my business partner and I, uh, we have a podcast as well. We just recently recorded, it's not yet aired, but we recently recorded a 45-minute discussion between he and I on what is a legitimate ad back because there are these these kind of gray area scenarios and it can get uh, kind of in-depth. But at its, at its basic level, what are we doing? We're adding back one owner's benefits, uh, accounting expenses, and um, and um, uh, true one-time expenses back into the bottom line of the business to be, be able to provide this baseline number for potential buyers to make an evaluation as to whether or not a business is going to be a good return on investment for them. Uh, by the way, what is your podcast? The podcast so is the, sure, absolutely. It's the Quiet Light podcast. And we talk about selling a business, buying a business. We interview previous clients uh, and then also experts as well. We we uh, bring in people that we know in our expert uh, um, circle of, of friends um, into uh, that. But a lot of it is just focused on this buying and selling of online businesses. Excellent. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So let's talk uh, a little bit more about the seller's discretionary earnings, because I think this is so important that anybody that's that's wanting to sell their business either now or even five years down the road. So it sounds like from what you're saying, the the number one thing that business owners can do to increase the likelihood of that their business sells for more is to improve their seller's discretionary earnings. So the, the amount yes. of money that the business produces, taking out all the personal, uh, the current owner's expenses. So if a new owner bought it, you're saying that the seller's discretionary earnings are what the new owner could sort of expect to make from the operations of the business. Is that right? Basically right, yes. So the seller's discretionary earnings is that number that we use to help estimate what the potential return on investment is. Just keeping in mind that different buyers are, are going to have different scenarios, right? So one buyer might want to be an owner-operator, and they won't have staff costs. We have other buyers who hire a CEO for every acquisition that they do, so they have to inject that cost into their, their calculations. But we're able to provide them with a foundational statement to basically tell them, here's the money that you're going to have to, uh, to spend at your discretion that this business is currently generating. So if you're preparing to sell or if you want to exit in the future, one of the key things that you can do, one of the, the most important things you can do is to trim up your expense profile to be as efficient as possible. 
Because something that we see frequently with sellers, especially when we're having those initial conversations, uh, and they start to get this idea of an ad back, is they then look at this and say, oh, well, you know what? I spent $100,000 on advertising, and frankly, it's pretty inefficient. I think we should add back $25,000 of that. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? Um, you've actually spent that money on the operations of the business. You can't just add it back uh, uh, because you think that you could get away with that. You do have to show that in actual history. So one of the key things that the people should do, anyone that is looking to uh, exit their business in one, two, or three years, is to A, understand what the value of the business is right now, and it's easy to do that by, by doing a free valuation, either with us or someone else, or just studying up on it and, and figuring it out on your own. It's not too complex. Um, and then B, understanding what's driving the value of that business and where they can uh, possibly uh, maximize the value of the business in, in that exit. Trimming up your expense profile, one of the easiest things that you can do uh, and most important and most influential things you can do uh, to increase the value of your exit. Okay. So I just jotted down three things that you said that uh, some, some sort of tactics or strategies people can use. First, trim up your expense profile. Um, second, know your valuation. And then number three, what's driving the value of your business. And I guess once you know that, then you can take steps to actually improve that. Yeah. So well, you know, the, oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, let me comment on, on knowing the value of your business. Um, my business partner uh, brings this up when he gives uh, talks at conferences. He'll often uh, ask the room for people to raise their hands if they know how much money they have in their checking account, and then keep their hands raised if they know how much they have in investments, such as stocks or, or uh, their, their retirement accounts. And then keep their hands raised if you know the value of your home, of your car. And most people know these things. But how many business owners know the value of their business? And when he asks that, usually the vast majority of hands drop in the room. The fact is, if you own a business, it's probably one of the most valuable assets that you own. And if you don't know the value uh, of that business right now, then it's really hard to understand, A, should I exit? B, when should I exit? C, how should I uh, increase its value? Understanding what drives the value of your business is key if you want to exit someday, right? Because you, you, not only do you know what your starting point is, what's realistic, but you also get a sense for what the, the levers are that can increase the value, what's going to potentially decrease the value of that business. And frankly, at that point, an exit strategy kind of lays itself out in front of you. Once you understand these things, it's, it's pretty easy to say, I need to do A, B, C, and D if I want to exit in one, two, or three years. And, and just as a footnote to that, you don't have to exit your business or want to exit your business to go through this exercise. Um, having a great business to sell is usually a great business to own, right? What makes it desirable for a potential acquirer is that it's a great business. And so going through this exercise is really good for those uh, who even don't want to sell or don't really have uh, ideas that they want to sell someday. Knowing the value of what you're sitting on is just good information to have and knowing what can make it more valuable is also very good information to have. So what, are, in your experience, what are some of the most common things that people can do to improve the value of their business? Yeah, great question. Uh, great question. So we actually developed a very uh, simple framework uh, that people can use and really in any business, online or offline, uh, you can use this, this framework to understand what's driving the value of a business. Um, and we break it up, we call it the four pillars of value. And the four pillars are risk, 
growth, transferability, and documentation. Um, and if it's okay with you, I'll, I'll run through these real quick. Yeah, here. That sounds um, amazing. With everyone. All right, so so risk. We'll start with that. Um, somebody who wants to acquire your business is going to stroke a check for more than the business makes per year in earnings, right? So they are staking and putting at risk some money that that uh, on your business, and they want to make sure that they're not going to lose all of that, right? That's pretty important for them. And so the risk profiles of your business become really uh, key in their valuation of uh, if they want to write this check. So you need to evaluate your business in areas of risk. Look for single points of failure in your business. Do you have a vendor that you rely on that if they were to change terms or go out of business or decide to compete direct head on, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one with you, would that damage your business significantly? Most of us would have to say yes at some point. And so do you have contingencies for that? Uh, do you have key employees where if they were to be incapacitated for some way or leave the business or, or work for a competitor would be very, very dangerous for you? Take a look at these different aspects. Are you in a uh, in an industry that is potentially at risk with um, with legislation, or do you have a couple of unicorn products which are really driving most of your business? So look for the areas of risk within your business and start to develop contingencies for those risks. Right? If it's a vendor reliance, which is the most common issue that we see, at least have backup vendors. You don't necessarily have to retain them, but know that you can move over to them should the need arise. Um, so risk is, again, this is a really large uh, area. One of the most uh, influential factors, if you have a really high risk profile, you're simply not going to get as much for your business as you could. Growth, um, obviously nobody uh, invests in business hoping to lose money. Uh, buyers are buying a business because they want to make a good return on their investment. And so the growth potential of your business becomes really key towards the valuation that you receive. And on that, your trends, your financial trends are one of the key indicators of growth. Are you growing at a pretty pretty consistent rate? Uh, what does that trend look like for a potential buyer? Can they reasonably assume that over the next 12 months, the business is going to continue to grow? The more you can paint a picture of growth and real growth opportunities, the higher the valuation you're going to receive, right? The other areas that we look at for potential growth would be easy expansions or naturally untapped growth that you just simply haven't gotten to yet. The more work you have to do to unleash that growth, the less you're going to get out of it, less credit you're going to get out of that, that uh, area of growth. Um, and the easier growth that's right in front of you, um, the, the more value you're going to get. For example, I'm working with an e-commerce business right now where the uh, owner uh, has released products on a fairly regular basis, but is running into cash flow issues. Um, but the owner is a great product designer and has a whole set of new products that are ready to go. They just don't have the cash to be able to release them. But everything is ready to go. It's really just a matter of injecting that cash. That's fairly low-hanging fruit uh, for a, a new owner who can see a proven track record that the, the, the product designs are successful. That's really good growth opportunity, All right? So that's the first one was risk. The second one's growth. And now we get into um, a little bit more fine uh, pillars, and that would be the transferability and the documentation. Um, on the transfer, transferability front, what we're looking for is how easy is it for somebody else to come into your business and run it from day one? Do you have good standard operating procedures in place? Do you have a team in place if your business is large enough to support a team? Um, are there any 
uh, knowledge barriers to your business that you need to have, uh, that somebody has to overcome, uh, or uh, are there physical requirements? So for we work in e-commerce pretty heavily. Some vendors used to require having a physical storefront in order to supply their product. You know, that would be a transferability issue. And when we look at this, there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a push and pull dynamic here, right? Because um, having uh, high levels of transferability sometimes increases the level of risk because competition can come in. And sometimes having uh, a business that's a little less transferable, uh, maybe because there's a knowledge barrier or uh, special requirements in order to sell certain products. You know, these can reduce your risk profile. So there's a little bit of push and pull. It may not be possible to, uh, to, to score 100 on both of these pillars, but you can do pretty well uh, all the same. Last, documentation. This is the least exciting of all the, the, the pillars, but maybe the one that has the most impact because you have 100% control over this. And I'm going to throw right at the top of this list, having great financial records. I already said the biggest surprise for sellers is just how much their finances come into play. Well, guess what? They do. And having great financial records that are clean, verifiable, separate from other businesses, it makes, uh, it, it reduces the appearance of risk or the unknown for potential buyers. It helps them assess the value of your business uh, at a glance and it adds value to your business. Now, I'll throw one last thing on here. It's not just about having good books kept. It's understanding uh, how your books should be kept. And, and one thing that we see here, especially with growing physical products businesses, so many of them are on cash basis accounting. So the recording revenue and expenses uh, as they're spending them, you can gain a lot of value just by having your books on a accrual basis, which is probably a better way for you to be uh, recording your books anyway. Uh, you will gain significant value if you have a growing business by having your books on a accrual basis. So again, those four pillars, risk, growth, transferability, documentation. Take the time to document your business, um, first with financials, but go through the other aspects as well, standard operating procedures for your business, Diagram out your business to actually do an organization chart. You might think you don't need it, but for potential buyers, it's really good to have. And I've never run across a business owner who's gone through the exercise and hasn't found it useful. So take the time to do that. With those four things, you can understand the value of your business. If you just focus on those four things, you will be about 80, 90% of the way there to maximizing the value of your business. Wow, this is very good information. And I mean, the, the risk, growth, transferability, documentation. So I'm assuming when you get a, uh, you know, a, a potential seller comes to you, wants to sell their business, you go through these three or these four things. Um, yep, what yep. percentage of the clients come to you and, and are just not ready? They don't have one, two or three or all, all four of these. Yeah, we, we tell the vast majority of people who come to us, uh, we, we tell them to wait. Um, because they're not there. And uh, if I were to just guess a percentage, and I, I haven't looked at these numbers in a while, but if I were to guess a percentage, I'd say about 80% of people who come wow. to us, uh, we, we tell to wait. And the reason, look, it's, it's ultimately their decision. Some people don't want to. Um, I'm dealing with a client right now where my recommendation was wait three months because I think your business is going to be significantly uh, uh, more valuable in three months. And the response is, I'm ready to go now, you know, even though there's literally money sitting on the table just three months from now. Um, so not everybody takes that, those suggestions, but uh, the vast majority of people who do come to us to sell, 
we do as we do recommend that they wait to try and get a little bit more value out of the business. I wouldn't recommend somebody wait if the increase in value is five or ten percent. In some of these cases, the value change is significant, especially with this cash to accrual change. You know, this is this is pretty simple. If you're growing and continually adding inventory um, to to your business, that obviously affects your cash reserves, but it doesn't affect the profitability of your business in the same way. And the profitability is, you know, one of the starting points for understanding the driving value of your business. And so this can be a really key part to, to uh, influencing the value. We've, we've had clients uh, swing with hundreds of thousands of dollars in value just by making this switch. I, I mean, I, I can't overstate enough that I 100% agree with you. You have to have great financial records. Even if you never want to sell your business, you, how, can, how can anybody operate without knowing the financial state of their business. It's like playing a, a, a basketball game without having a scoreboard. <laughs> like, how do you know what, what to do? Yeah, and how do you I, know I think what it to do with from, your business? Yeah, and I think it stems from people not, not understanding how financial statements work. And look, uh, I, I've been in the same boat. <laughs> you know, for years, I preached this, uh, the, this gospel of make sure you have clean books, and my books were a mess. Uh, I know it's difficult to do. Uh, and when you don't understand the value or you don't really understand what all these reports mean, oftentimes it just kind of goes by the wayside because you, you focus on what is understandable and right in front of you. But for business owners, having data is really key to making decisions. And the fact is your financial records are a key data point. And these reports have been developed over hundreds of years, right? This is not something that just recently came about. These reports have been uh, measuring sticks to measure the health of a business for, for a long, long time. Take the time to understand it. Take the time to understand what a balance sheet is and why everything is supposed to balance out and how it actually <laughs> works. Um, and then you can look at your own business and say, is the business healthy? Or maybe do I need to, to uh, tweak how I'm running the business? There, there's some really key insights that you can have just from understanding um, your, your basic uh, uh, financial reports. Well, Mark, I mean, I, there's, there's so many things I want to talk about, <laughs> but I, we're almost out of time. This has been really, really helpful. Where, if, if somebody's interested in selling their business or just learning more, they know they want to sell maybe one day, where can people find you and learn more? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone can email me. Mark at quietlightbrokerage.com uh, is my direct email. Um, we have a ton of resources uh, on our website. We do have a, a podcast as well. Uh, you can find that at quietlightbrokerage.com. And, and the last thing that I'll, I'll throw out there is uh, if you do want to know the value of your business, uh, reach out. We can do a valuation call. It takes 15 minutes to 30 minutes to get a rough idea of the valuation of your business and really start to key in on um, the areas that, that uh, you might want to focus on with your business to increase its value. Uh, it won't be the fine point type of valuation that we would do if you're actually going to sell, but it's going to give you the, the you know, we can 80% of the way there to really get a good sense of where, where your value is. We don't charge for that. It's really uh, out there for us to add value uh, in the marketplace, we understand that uh, adding value for business owners comes back uh, to help us later on. Uh, so we really want to to add value and help you make good decisions with your business. So again, quietlightbrokerage.com uh, if you want a pre-valuation or reach out to me directly at mark at quietlightbrokerage.com. Wow, that's really great that you offer that. So yeah, we'll put all of that info in the show notes. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. The P is for Profit podcast is sponsored by the CFO Project. 
we help small business owners and entrepreneurs pocket bigger profits. If you're ready to discover the five changes required to boost your profits this quarter, you'll want to attend our latest presentation, Why Your Small Business Might Not Be As Profitable As It Should Be. Register at the CFO Project.com slash video.